Hey, everyone, we've got a couple big announcements, but we don't want them to get in the way of our story. How's that for building tension? So stick around at the end of the show to hear what they are. If you were going to sum up what Mark, his role in two words, like Mark's the... Radio uncle. Octopus man. It's a goofy place. He's 90% of the goof. I mean, he helped me get my first motorcycle and the second motorcycle after the first one crashed. He buys me food a lot. He kind of does more than what a regular boss should, you know? The voices you just heard are producers Davey Kim, Adiza Egan, and Liz Mack. They work for the podcast and radio show Snap Judgment. And if you listen, you've heard their voices before. But I'd bet Glenn's voice is the one you know the best. My name is Glenn Washington. Please note, I have a face made for radio. Because you're listening to Snap Judgment. But Snap Judgment wouldn't be Snap Judgment without executive producer Mark Ristich. He and Glenn started the show together in 2007. And back then, it was just them. What is your job? What's your, what do you do? Uh, I would just say producer. Honestly, just producer. Because producers produce. And um, you do whatever it takes to make it happen. It is the show. An hour-long, highly crafted, chock-full-of-music and sound design narrative storytelling show that now has 14 staffers and 2 million downloads a month. So when Mark says he's producing, what he means is that he's helping everyone on the team do whatever they need to do to get the show out. I'm just like, tell me what you need, and I'll just stay here until it's done. I'm Casey Miner, and this is The Specialist. So maybe right now you're thinking, hold up, are you guys seriously doing a podcast about another podcast? Yes, we are. And here's why. For one thing, every time we go out and interview people for our show, all kinds of specialists, they're curious about what we do. They hear some back episodes, take a look at the recording gear and say, wow, your job is so interesting. You write us too. You want to know what's involved in making the show, how we make decisions, how much recording we do and how what you hear is edited. So today, for our final episode of the season, we're pulling back the curtain on a big show to show you exactly how that happens. I do an opening story for Snap Judgment every single week. This is Glenn again, and these opening stories are from his life, which is a little more exciting than a lot of people's lives. His stories might be about his adventures in the foreign service in Malaysia. True. Or growing up in an apocalyptic cult. Also true. But even though they happened to him, Glenn still needs work to make these into stories. He needs Mark. And when I finished that narration, if Mark's kind of looking at me with a, with a frown on his face, well, then I probably have a problem, you know? So then we get to fighting over how we're going to fix it. And we battle, we battle like brothers at this point. Glenn and Mark met in Detroit when they were both in college. I asked Mark to describe their relationship, and he said, quote, We hated each other. He was a troll. I was a troll. We just riled each other up right away. And they still do. But there's not a sense where I could, you know, I was always my show or something like that. No. People would be surprised that probably two-thirds of the stories that I write don't make the show. And the reason why they don't make the show is because Mark's like, nah. 
Okay, and it, let's move on. Mark wears a lot of hats at Snap, but the most important one, the one Glenn's talking about here, is editor. As an editor, he shapes how millions of people hear a story about things like a man on the run in the woods for more than two decades, or a search and rescue worker battling her own history of abuse, or the moral choices made by a spy. He and the producers make hundreds of tiny decisions that shape how we hear those stories, and how we hear those stories shapes how we see the world. But if he does it right, you'll never hear those tiny decisions. All you'll hear is a smooth, continuous narrative. That's Mark's job. So let's spend some time with just one edit that he's working on, with reporter Eliza Smith. If you're a regular listener, you know that Eliza helps out with social media for our show. She's also a full-time producer at Snap. Today we're going to be um, working on a story that's close to, as close to imperfect as we can get. Um, and we're going to be working on reviving it from the dead. Here's what you need to know going in. Eliza's story is about a woman named Olivia, who was a spy for South Africa's apartheid government back in the 80s. She spied by pretending to be a college student and embedding with left-wing student groups. But the more she got to know the activists, the more she started to think that apartheid wasn't so great. And after one particularly traumatic experience, she defected and became a double agent. Things actually get more complicated, but let's leave it there for now. So Eliza's interviewed Olivia the Spy twice so far, and she's put together a rough draft of her story that she and Mark are going to listen to. And here's one other thing you need to know. Mark is not sold on this story, even though Eliza's already been working on it for months. I don't like your skepticism. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I like the first part. It got a little boring. And then I like the last part. Yeah, totally. If Mark doesn't think it works, it may never reach a single person's ears. Obviously, this is not Eliza's preferred outcome. Her story's already cleared a few hurdles. Like a lot of shows, Snap is very, very collaborative. And part of their process is that the whole team weighs in on story pitches before a producer moves ahead. In the time that's passed since she got that go-ahead, Eliza's become even more convinced that people need to hear what Olivia has to say. This story actually needs to be told right now. This is really important. This is a story about people who are on the wrong side and through education they realize that they were on the wrong side and they work really hard to make up for it. And they become better, more enlightened citizens as a result. Mark may feel a little bit differently right now, but my job today is to kind of convince him that the story has legs and it's worth keeping and, and ultimately airing on our show. So you want to put like a butt ton of speculation in no, the middle of this story? No, I want to They're sitting together in Eliza's office off Snap's main room. I understand what you're looking for, but that not was not, that's not there. What? It didn't happen. I got it. It's not I got true. it. I got it. I got it. She's got the script open on her computer. Uh, Mark's sitting by her with his laptop. Okay. Eliza starts by reading out loud from the transcript of her interview with Olivia the Spy. These are her words. The police had said, there will come a time that you will identify with the enemy. It's a perfectly normal part of infiltration. And they sort of warned me of all this. I'm here. I'm where I would really like to be, in left-wing student organizations, but I'm here under false pretenses. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm on the wrong side. That's pretty good. Hell yeah! High five! <laughs> and then I good. come in it's as It's a little bit explainy, though. The big problem for Eliza's piece isn't the story itself. I mean, who doesn't love a good spy tale? It's that Olivia the spy isn't always that good at telling her own story. She speaks in big generalities, and she's very removed when she's talking. So 
it's our job to fix it. We gotta see if we can fix this story. And then it still faces some hurdles after this point, but we this is what we do, right? You just try. That but is really important. Part of Mark's job is to kill stories that don't work, but he doesn't want to kill the stories. He wants to try like hell to get them into shape. You know, I do get caught in a loop, in like an editing loop. I just want to sit there and edit, edit, edit. Um, you know, and you know, friends and family are like, hey, do you want to do something? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't. I just want to do Snap Judgment. He was at pains to tell me that it's not like he never does anything else. He hangs out with his dog, Aggie, an Italian greyhound who's always in the office. He watches sports. They're live and you can't edit them, so it's actually relaxing. And he's really into the TV show The Americans, which incidentally is about spies. The theme song is his ringtone, and I got to hear it a lot because despite being a radio professional, Mark never remembered to turn off his cell phone during our interviews. Uh, you know, they're all just like sobbing and heartfelt. Um, oh, the cardinal sin. This <laughs> happened every single this time. Happens every time. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not used to people talking to me. As in, he's not used to being the story, and he doesn't totally love it. I think he asked me five times if I was absolutely sure I really wanted to do a story about him. And while he and Eliza are editing, he keeps asking me if I'm sure I actually want to stay. You're going to stick around and just hang out and be bored? I really like editing, so okay, it's not great. boring for me. All right, well, I'm just saying, it's going to take a while, and like we're going to go slow, and it's, you know, it just like happens slowly over time. I wish I could make it happen in a big, fast montage, but we can't. He can't, but I can. Fun fact, I spent more than nine hours at Snap watching Mark and his team work. You're going to hear about 2% of what I recorded. See? Big, fast montage. There is no person here, though, that she connects with. When? In the government? No, in the student democratic... Thing. There the, is no, no, that's not true. Over the next hour, Mark and Eliza work through the script, and they keep coming back to this basic problem of details. Does she know her beforehand? Yeah. Does, do she we does. have any of her and that woman? No. Nothing? No. Olivia the spy doesn't tell us much about any individual people she met. We don't meet her friends or learn about her relationships, so it all just feels kind of flat. We don't feel the emotional stakes because there just aren't many specifics. I nope. found it really no wonder her boss has got frustrated with her <laughs> as a spy. They were like, you're a shitty spy. <laughs> Give us information, not generalities. Okay, so then But we yeah, we should probably go back and talk to her one more time. They decide Eliza needs to do a third interview to try and get some of those details. Who was Olivia friends with? What did they do together? That kind of thing. But again, recording another interview isn't a guarantee that the story will go on the air. Mark will listen, and then he'll reassess. You have to. I mean, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can't just be like, oh, I... You can't please other people or go, you know, this story has, a, has good intentions, and, you know, uh, the people should know that when they listen to it. People don't care. They're just like, oh, that's boring. They turn it off. And now you just wasted all your time and wasted all their time and wasted my scoring team's time. So you can't. You have to be, you know, kind of uh, brutal about it. I so sympathize with Eliza here. The spy's life is long and complicated. And in her interviews, Eliza needed to cover a ton of ground just to get the plot down, never mind the details. Mark's not a public radio guy. He barely even has time to listen to other podcasts. But he's got a sense of story, and he knows what Eliza's story needs. So he's doing their interview at 3 in the morning. 
And I'm like, well, that's what you have to do. She can, you know, sleep when she's done. That would be because Eliza and Mark are in Oakland, California, and Olivia the spy now lives in Italy, where she runs an Airbnb. Times change. What's your what's your level of confidence in that story? Like, are you are you still on the fence about whether it's going to go on the show? Uh huh. I'm still on the fence. Um, I think that we can get it to make it work. I, I you know, um, we're going to try. But you might still kill it. Yeah. So a week or so later, we're back for another round. The police said, you know, my hand just said, there will come a time when you will identify with the enemy. It's a perfectly normal part of infiltration. And they sort of warned me of all of this. This is Olivia. Remember, Eliza read a transcript of this quote before. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm where I would really like to be in left-wing student organizations. But, I've, but I'm here under false pretenses. I thought, oh my God, I'm, I'm on the wrong side. Mark liked it, but what came afterwards was too vague. Now Eliza's got more details. She's got Olivia talking about friends, another white activist named Priscilla, and a black activist named Chris. They're the ones she's befriended and betrayed by reporting their activities to the government. And now that we know that, we're more invested when we get to the part about the night her friends call her for help. And so I didn't realize how badly she was injured. And they said, can you take her to the hospital? Chris's house has been firebombed and his girlfriend is seriously hurt. So Olivia the spy takes her to the hospital and runs in, where she's stopped by the guy at the reception desk. And he, he, he looked up at me and he, and he said in a, in, in a very strong African accent, he said, lady, is she black or white? And, you know, at that moment, I was so angry. She's black. What difference does it make? And he said, well, lady, if she's black, you have to go around to the back entrance of the hospital. She died. Her, her, wound, her burns were too significant. She couldn't survive. And, you know, she was 16 years old. And she, she had done nothing. And the only thing that she had ever done wrong was being black. Are you crying? No. Are you tearing up? No, but I definitely feel the emotion in her, her voice there when she does it. With this new context, the tape gets Mark to feel something. And that bodes really well, but they're not out of the woods yet. As the story goes on and gets more complicated, Mark starts to distrust Olivia as a narrator. So remember, she starts out as a spy for the apartheid government. But then after the hospital incident, she defects and starts spying for the anti-apartheid movement. Unfortunately, they don't trust her. And before long, they throw her into one of their infamous prison camps. There's this one part of the interview where Olivia describes how it's so hot that she has to lie down on the floor and stick her face under the door to breathe. But then right after that, she says something about how she was totally ready to go right back out and work for her jailers. And Mark does not buy it. It's insane. What? Well, she's insane. They arrested her. They have her, they have her in a little prison. And then she's like, but if you want to send me back into the field, I'm good to go. I understand you guys made a little administrative error. I actually don't think that that's insane. I'll tell you why. Great. If you've been working for, like, Darth Vader, and you get a chance to work with a rebel alliance, and at first they don't really trust you, like Lando Calrissian, like you do some shady shit, and you get exiled for a little while, I would totally go back and work with the rebellion anytime. Because they're on the right side of history. I know, but they don't trust you, though. Like, you're not a reliable source anymore. I would be like, I'm going to do whatever it takes 
What do you need to do? Just go back feels, and work on the Death Star? She, well, she still feels... Mo- I mean, she should say something like, I, you know, even though they still had me here, I felt like I could be of value or, you know, I forgave them for all these things. Yeah, it's she, like, she says I like kept it. trying to convince them, you know, like... It's, uh, you mean while she was in prison? While she's in prison. Yeah. I don't have that tape and I'm not going to do a fourth interview for it. These things already happened decades ago. The facts aren't going to change. But real life is messy, and people make baffling choices and contradict themselves all the time. For this story to work, we've got to have enough sympathy for Olivia that we stay with her, even if we're skeptical of her motives. This is really hard, but it helps if you can get your storyteller to reflect. In my search for an exciting life, I'd landed on the wrong side of the apartheid struggle. I think I I think I did what was right. I I I I defected. You know whether it you know it, I did it in the right way or at the right time. I mean you know you could speculate endlessly. I'm just I'm just glad that I did it. That was good. If you listen to the last line, whether it you know it, I did it in the right way or at the right time. I mean you know you could speculate endlessly. I'm just I'm just glad that I did it. I think that that's the story. It's like, okay, I didn't do it the right way. I tried to be on the right side of history. I tried to correct things. It didn't work out. But I would rather. I'm ra- glad I did it. I'm glad I took a stand instead of being complicit with the bad guys. Right. And so, and I'm, you know, there's a whole bunch of people now that are going to be like in her same shoes. Final verdict the story lives. The Specialist is a show about work you don't think about and the people who do it. Our indispensable editor is Julie Kane, and we're proud to work with Seth Samuel, who does our original music and sound design, and Eliza Smith, who runs our social media and was the first person to suggest we profile Mark. You can hear her story about the South African spy on Snap Judgment in January, probably. Ariel Dakovic helps us think strategically, and Alex Goldmark helps us see the big picture. Our radio home is KALW 91.7 FM in San Francisco. And a huge thanks to Glenn Washington, Liz Mack, Adiza Egan, Nancy Lopez, Joe Rosenberg, Davey Kim, and the whole staff of Snap Judgment for letting me hang around their office, stick my microphone in their faces without warning, and eat their snacks. As always, we want to thank California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Find them at calhum.org. And of course, thanks to you, our fabulous listeners who know so many specialists. It's been so much fun to hear from you and share your stories this year. And now, drumroll please, I've got an announcement of my own. This is the final episode of season two. We'll be taking a little time off and be back in the spring with a brand new season and a brand new member of the team who won't be able to say very much, but will definitely introduce me to a lot of specialists. Is that too big? I think that's too big. Let me edit that and try again. I'm having a baby in January. I'll be busy with that for a little while, but don't worry, we will be back. In the meantime, please get in touch to tell us about how you're a specialist. And if you like the show, why not tell someone else about it? New podcast recommendations make great and cheap holiday gifts. You can always reach us at specialistpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at the Specialist FM. Thanks for listening. Happy holidays. And we'll be back soon.